Hey, everybody, this is Brian. We are about two weeks out from the Krispy Kreme Challenge, a.k.a. the Donut Run, where Aaron and I run five miles, eat a dozen donuts, try and get it all done in an hour, and ultimately raise a bunch of money for uh, the people at the NC Children's Hospital who take care of a bunch of uh, very sick kids and their families. We want to thank everybody who's made a donation up to this point, and we want to say that if you'd like to uh, make a generous donation, you can go to thecloudcast.net. In the top right corner, there is a button, and any and all donations are greatly appreciated. 100% of the funds go to the NC Children's Hospital. So thank you for your generosity, and thank you for your ongoing support of the show. And now, on to the Cloudcast. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast, coming to you live from the massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Just myself today, and today we're actually going to do one of the first um, things. We've talked about serverless for a long time, and today we're going to sort of do one of the first serverless designated Cloudcasts um, for 2017. So, uh, very excited. We, we've had a chance to, to touch on you know bits and pieces of, of serverless in the past, um, but today we've got. Uh, a very exciting guest and a couple of very interesting announcements coming out. So very excited to have Madura Miskowski, who's VP of product for Platform 9. Madura, welcome to the show. Fantastic, Brian. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, actually, I think welcome back to the show. We, we had you on when uh, you guys first launched and, and um, things are still going really, really well. You When you first launched, uh, the, the focus of the platform was very much around um, you know, managed and hosted OpenStack. Um, but, you know, we're now in 2017, technologies are changing, customer sentiments are changing. First off, give us a sense of, of where is Platform 9 today? And then um, you guys have a couple of, of very, very cool announcements that are, uh, you know, now hitting the marketplace. So maybe give us a sense of, of what those announcements are as well. Absolutely. Yeah, Brian, thanks. Um, so, you know, you know, just a quick re- recap of Platform 9. We were a company founded in 2013, right, by a set staff, ex-VMware engineers, uh, myself included. Um, today at Platform Line, I play the role of VP of product. Um, but Platform Line was founded with the manifesto of uh, making cloud con- infrastructure consumption fundamentally easy, right, using software as a service. Um, so, um, you know, what we do is we enable enterprises to easily manage infrastructure anywhere across their private data centers or service provider-hosted infrastructure or public clouds. And we do that using the best-of-breed open-source cloud-native frameworks, right? Um, So we, to that extent, we started by supporting managed OpenStack. That was our first supported product, and we pioneered a fundamentally unique SaaS-managed model around it. Um, and then um, earlier last year or mid last year, we we announced beta availability of managed Kubernetes, where we we were doing the same, applying the same SaaS managed model to uh, to Kubernetes. Um, so uh, you know, today Platform Nine um, is about forty six employees strong. We are about you know fifty customers strong. We've seen a pretty significant growth in customers, about four x year over year growth. Um, and these are uh, managed OpenStack customers, right? Because the managed Kubernetes offering has still been in beta um, until today, that is. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've seen significant growth in, in customers and in a, in a strong vouching and support for our managed model. And then we are now recreating it with with managed Kubernetes. Right, right. So, and I hear this all the time in, in talking to different businesses is, uh, you know, they're, they're under this um, kind of pressure to figure out how to 
build software better, how to ship software better, how to um, you know be able to respond to markets faster. And in a lot of cases, they see these new cloud native frameworks, so Kubernetes and containers and, and some of the other things, um, but yet they don't have the skills in house to necessarily take advantage of them, or or maybe they're not organized uh, to do DevOps in an efficient manner. And and you know having these managed offerings is really really important to them because it it just lets them get started. Are you seeing any other big trends drive um, people towards the the offerings that you have, whether it's a type of application or a, or a specific you know type of business type of need that are that are out there use case maybe? Yeah, you know, in general, we kind of founded Puff Online with a couple of key insights, right? Going back to the point you're making, Brian, which is, you know, the, the first important insight is that um, if you look at uh, if you look at the 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 world that the DevOps or IT teams need to operate within today, and we kind of we call this the post cloud era. Um, it's it, it, it's a world of uh, a ton of diversity, right? Uh, that you just have to make sense of diversity in terms of legacy and cloud. Uh, you know, private and public, virtualized, containerized, and coupling that with a ton of new open source services uh, that that developers always want to embrace, right? Because developers fundamentally like choice. They don't want to be restricted to a single platform, a single cloud for that matter, right? right. So, right. Uh, so we believe fundamentally that, that ops teams are left to manage this diversity without having a good manageability solution. Um, in the traditional model, you know, our second insight is that the traditional DIY or professional services-based model of consuming shrink-wrap software, while it did work for the relatively simplistic stacks of the past, which were scale-up stacks, um, it fundamentally breaks when it comes to today's distributed systems. Systems like OpenStack, like Kubernetes, or, or any new powerful open source frameworks that you look at today, uh, those frameworks need a completely different operational paradigm. Um, and we think that's the as-a-service paradigm, because um, as-a-service is the only only model that covers not just day zero or day one, but also your day end problems, right, which is your ops um, and, and, and the, the cost around maintaining and babysitting that stack. Right, right. Uh, and and obviously Kubernetes tends to be a um, you know OpenStack allowed you to to run sort of any application. There was you know different sort of frame of minds as to whether you know those should be more legacy applications because you could fit them in a VM context or they should be newer. Kubernetes tends to um, you know be very very container centric, um, and and you're seeing people wanting to build new types of things with containers. What are you what are you hearing from people about? demand around container usage versus VM usage or just, you know, developer demands uh, driving towards containers? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the the entire container movement has been embraced, uh, powered by developers, right? Which is developers um, realizing that, that containers are just a better, more lightweight, more portable tool than VMs in in, in many cases for for building their applications. Um, and 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 it, you know what's important to recognize is containers just by themselves are uh, you know are, are a nice you know lightweight tool utility to do things differently compared to VMs, but they're not nearly uh, sufficient to really start powerfully re-architecting your applications, um, you know, using using the new paradigms, right? Because you can, you will, you will essentially create new sets of problems of containers problem management um, unless you invest in the right container orchestration framework, such as Kubernetes, right? right. And, and the big reason why we think Kubernetes is 
emerging as the de facto standard for container orchestration is because of all those built-in uh, semantics that it enables developers to consume without having to repeat and do redundant work. Right, right. right. Now, beyond the, the, the Kubernetes offering, moving the, uh, the Kubernetes offering into, into GA, you announced um, something very new, you know, sort of unique in that um, it is a, a serverless, serverless offering uh, called Fission, and it's an open source. Uh, it's it, you know the technology is open source. Talk about uh, what is Fission and and what's your thinking behind uh, releasing it as, as open source, um, maybe as opposed to a, a managed service. Yes, no, absolutely. We're really excited about Fission. Um, what Fission is, in a nutshell, is an open source alternative to AWS Lambda for for doing function as a service. Right. Um, and really what it comes from is, uh, you know, if you look at Lambda, uh, AWS really started the serverless movement um, with Lambda. Uh, but, but one of the limitations there, as we see it, is uh, is Lambda is only as powerful as the integrations that it supports. Right. And those triggers, those events, those integrations are all restricted to the AWS ecosystem. Mm hmm. Right. So and we hear that from from our customers uh, and kind of goes back to the earlier point I was making, which is developers fundamentally like choice. They don't like being restricted, being asked to only use AWS specific services. They want to use their their Kafka for their streaming events and they want to consume those events in, in their in their Lambda, but they are not able to today. Right. So what Fission is, is it's designed to be the de facto open source alternative to Lambda. Right. Okay. So we are starting with a focus on Kubernetes. So it's an open source framework that is built on top of Kubernetes. Um, and while doing that, it also has a nice advantage of making consumption of Kubernetes also easy. Okay. Now, um, you, you know, you, you point, you highlighted Lambda and, and there seems to be sort of two, two schools of thought or two camps that are kind of evolving around serverless, um, more or less. You know, one of them is, is obviously Lambda. And then one of them tends to be, um, this collection of, of different projects that are emerging, um, which like Fission tend to be more open, you know, they're open source based, but they're also, you know, built on top of kind of the construct of containers or Kubernetes. Um, what do you see? Do you see that, that containers play a big role in this way of doing serverless or is it, is it really more just that the framework is open and, and we're going to see people be able to, to plug it into you know, other sets of services as they need to? No, you know, we, we definitely see um, containers playing a big, big role in serverless, right? Just simply because they, you know, for a number of reasons, they make the the proposition of, uh, you know, simplicity and portability uh, a, a really key one. And if you think of serverless, if you're looking to run just, you know, a, a, a you know, a small piece of code to start with, at least, uh, and we think serverless frameworks are going to evolve from there. But but today you use them to run a, you know, a piece of code for, you know, some kind of automated serverization, right, which is the developer just focuses on writing that piece of code and the framework takes it and, and hides all the details of how that code is run and, and and using containers and even Kubernetes from our perspective as that underlying platform to do that uh, provides a number of benefits of, of efficiency uh, in, in delivering that, that function as a service platform. Okay, that makes sense. Um, can, can you give us, is there a, you know, the project is still in its very early days, uh, Fission. Can you give us a sense of, of what you think are, are some of the unique characteristics of of uh, you know this project versus say uh, what somebody might be able to do with with Lambda if they're familiar with that or at least you know m matching capabilities. Definitely, yeah. So you know 
Where Fission is similar in Lambda is that it's also designed to provide a very intuitive uh, developer experience, right? Uh, but it does differ in Lambda in, I would say, three kind of important ways. Um, the first one is the fact that it can run anywhere, right? Unlike Lambda, uh, Fission can run on anywhere that Kubernetes can run, which means a developer can run it on just his laptop. Um, or in his company's private data center or a service provider or any public cloud of his choice. Mm -hmm. So it fundamentally has that vendor neutrality, no lock-in proposition built in. Right. Um, second, because it's open source, it's open and extensible. Uh, and so we see it leveraging, enabling a much wider ecosystem. Um, definitely the Kubernetes ecosystem itself, uh, developers, contributors will benefit a lot, we think, from Fission. Um, and third, because it's Kubernetes based, again, it, it helps accelerate that, that time of utility for Kubernetes. Right. Yeah, you can obviously build on the, the huge, uh, you know, sort of growth and speed at which the Kubernetes community is building. Do you see, um, you know, obviously, again, early in the project days, but do you see this as something where you, you may try and push something like the CNCF or, or another one of these large foundations to help make it become uh, a much broader uh, standard, you know, in terms of usage? Or is it still too early days to, uh, to see where adoption might be? No, absolutely. We, 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 our goal is to, to, to try to make it as part of CNCF. We've definitely have conversations started. We think that that would be the right next step for, mm -hmm. for Fission. Um, because we do want the Kubernetes community to embrace this as the, 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 the de facto, um, project framework for doing function as a service, uh, using Kubernetes. Right. Right. And, and uh, do, would you expect that since this runs on Kubernetes, this would become something down the road for Platform 9 to be a, a managed service similar to, to what Lambda is? Or is it still sort of too early days to determine you know, when, when this might go into something like beta for, for Platform 9? So, no, we definitely plan on supporting it as a managed service at some point, right? The timeline is TBD because at this point, the focus is on building Fission, building it out as that open source project and, and building out on the roadmap, working with the community, listening to the feedback, etc. Uh, but yes, you will see Path Online releasing it as a managed service and we'll be making specific announcements at, at, around that sometime in 2017. Okay, fantastic. So I, I want to get back a little bit to um, kind of what's what's been driving you towards, um, you know, towards managed Kubernetes, obviously, um, you know, early success with, with customers that, uh, you know, wanted to migrate, you, you, you know, the, the company, uh, platform nine, lots of background from VMware. A lot of your engineers had come from VMware. Um, you, you deployed the open, open stack for people as a cloud framework. Uh, now you're moving into Kubernetes. What are some of those conversations that you hear from, from the market that says, you know, we wanted an alternative uh, cloud platform. These are some of the use cases that we see Kubernetes benefits from, those types of, of conversations. Yeah, you, you know, it, it, it kind of goes back to where Platform Line started with, with our vision, right? And it was really to make the uh, every single stage of your cloud infrastructure journey easy. Uh, and if you look at that journey, right, it started with, physical servers way back, um, was quickly disrupted through virtualization when VMware came along and we were part of that journey and we really saw that 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 drastic, dramatic uh, shift in terms of the benefit that it offered to end users, right? And then public cloud happened and infrastructure as a service became popular. Um, today, it's all about microservices with containers. Um, mm -hmm. And tomorrow, we think it's going to be about serverless or, or that's going to be a new way of doing pass from our perspective. 
right? Okay. And if you look at okay. every stage, it's, it's, it's become so disruptive because it's fundamentally raised the level of abstraction and hence added more business value, more value to developers, taken away more work from their hands, right? That they had to repeatedly do otherwise, uh, simplified their lives. Um, so, you know, that's kind of been our vision, and, and, and that's why you see us uh, starting with OpenStack, now having uh, supported Kubernetes and now serverless. Uh, and as we do speak with our customers, you see these trends really playing along uh, really significantly, right? Meaning developers, again, are, are, are the initiators of a lot of these movements. And we see in our OpenStack customers, um, while the while VM, so virtualization, is not going to go away anytime soon, right? Definitely for a lot of stateful workloads, there is really no reason to containerize them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of uh, either new applications or existing applications that are core to a business that that the development teams are aware of having some limitations, those are the places where developers are taking opportunity to fundamentally re-architect things and write them using containers and leveraging these microservices paradigms, right, in frameworks like Kubernetes. Um, and, and we see that shift happening with containers already. We think it's going to go strong over 2017 plus. Kubernetes adoption is going to significantly increase and improve. And as that happens, that will further, uh, uh, you know, plant seeds for that next level, uh, which is which is serverless or, you know, doing essentially platform as a service with serverless. Um, we, we think that both DevOps and Dev teams are going to start realizing that a lot of, lot of work that they do in writing these uh, server utilities can be fundamentally simplified if they instead run a framework like Vision. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and one clarification, cause, um, like I said, you guys have been on the show, but it's been a little while. Um, the, the platform nine sort of architecture is the control plane, which, which you guys build and, and manage, uh, runs out of the cloud, but the, the resources themselves typically run on a customer's premises, correct? Like the servers and so forth, correct? That's right. So when we started with OpenStack, OpenStack was at that time restricted to just private infrastructure, right? And so we do have this, uh, you know, we pioneered this unique SaaS managed model where the control plane lives in the cloud and, and, and through our agents, we integrate with your data plane and then deploy the data plane components in the private infrastructure. Um, since then, we also made OpenStack hybrid, right? So through our OpenStack Omni announcement, uh, which we made last year, now OpenStack uh, can manage, Pathonline manage OpenStack and manage both your private and public endpoints, such as an Amazon AWS endpoint. Hmm. Um, and Kubernetes fundamentally is multi-cloud. So with Kubernetes, managed OpenStack supports a number of cloud providers out of the box. Uh, Amazon is one of them. Uh, private data center is always one or, or OpenStack or, or VMware. Um, but, but yeah, the model is again, uh, SaaS, SaaS managed where the control plane still lives um, as a SaaS hosted service. Okay. And, and I want to, I want to ask you one last question. Um, you, you made a, you made a comment um, about, about platform as a service and, and this sort of evolution of what that looks like. Um, it's been interesting the last couple of weeks, there's been, uh, you know, a couple of um, articles written by various people that say, well, you know, maybe platform as a service is dead, or maybe, um, you know, the, the definition of that is happening. What, what do you see from, you know, you, you mentioned that, that, you know, containers, serverless, these types of things, because they're, they're very developer centric, tend to be in that platform space. What do you see from, from the marketplace? What do you hear from the marketplace in terms of, do they care uh, that, that something is, is called platform as a service? Do they just look at these evolutionary services as that's just the new way that developers are doing things? Or, or I mean, do you see any distinction that people 
care about how things are evolving um, in that in that sort of platform pat, platform as a service space? Yeah. So you know, if you if you think of the platform as a service movement, it was really started with that goal that developers should focus on just just writing code, right? Yeah. That was the root of it, and which makes a ton of sense. And that's the reality is quite opposite of that, right? Unless you're using a good past platform today, developers or ops do end up spending a lot of time doing a lot of redundant infrastructure-related work that could really be simplified, right? And if you look at uh, what microservices does with Kubernetes and then layering something like Fission on top, it, it is the fantastic opportunity we think of doing the next generation pass, right? Which is you truly just focus on writing your code, um, your your uh, you know pass there such as Vision has support for different language runtimes, um, so um, y- you know you you are able to focus on just that you know that that core expertise and letting that framework abstract away the underlying details. Um, and that's kind of somewhat true with with with, with Lambda or Serverless today, right? Uh, but but it's restricted to writing these really you know simple small functions. And and, and there are some challenges uh, of of doing that at scale with something like Lambda, right? Where where they, they have been. Uh, you know, cases or, you know, examples of creating or having created a lot of complexity by by having a large set of functions um, that are registered either through Lambda, et cetera. And there are complexities of working with the internet, with the gateway, et cetera. Yep. So, um, you know, where we see Fission going is is really evolving into being that, that right platform for doing Pass in future, uh, which means it, it, it will need to solve these problems of running functions at scale and, and really truly enabling a, a you know a developer SDK of sorts to to start introducing this as a new paradigm for for writing for writing your applications. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I, and I think I, I think you did a. You, it's an excellent comment about sort of you know the stuff is 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 evolving it evolves very quickly and and getting bogged down with some definition that was you know several years ago you know doesn't really do anybody any any good as long as you're as you're ultimately making it simpler for developers to write code and and hopefully uh, you know operations has less to worry about but uh, is able to scale it that's that's really really important listen uh, I'm going to wrap it up there um, where can people find out more about uh, the Kubernetes offering, as well as what's going on with Fission, maybe how to get involved with that from an open uh, source perspective. Uh, what's the best way to, to go find that information for people? Yeah, so, you know, for the managed Kubernetes offering, the best place to find out more about it is our PlatformLine's website, platformline.com. Um, the, you know, on the website, you will find the press release announcement details, as well as uh, there is a, you know, managed Kubernetes landing page with all the uh, feature information and how to try it, right? We also um, uh, added managed Kubernetes to our sandbox environment, which is available online too. So you can instantly try it out. Uh, you know, no hardware needed, uh, you know, it's fully free. So that's the best way to experience it. And I encourage people to try it. Um, as far as Fission goes, um, you, you know, the website is fission.io, um, and, you know, there you'll find the GitHub repo, which is available, um, the project is available as open source project for anyone to download and try out on any Kubernetes deployment, not just managed Kubernetes. Um, the Git link is github.com slash fission, so I do encourage um folks to try that out um, you know share feedback is with us via twitter platform lines twitter handle is at platform line sys uh, and fission twitter handle is uh, at fission io 
Very so. cool. Very cool. Well, listen, uh, we will get all of that into the show notes for anybody who uh, is is looking for links later on. Um, so thank you so much for being on today, uh, folks. Thanks, as always, for listening. Um, if uh, by chance we've got about two weeks left before the Krispy Kreme run, if you'd like to make a donation for that, we're about 56, 57 percent of our goal. And uh, for Madura and for Aaron, thank you all for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 